We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. John A1 with a super chat. John says, as a position coach, how do you balance coaching a guy that has tools, uh, tools you love, but doesn't how to use uh, versus a guy who is further along um, from a technical standpoint? And then uh, further along technically, but doesn't have the tools desired for the position. Is it much more of a priority to spend the time coaching to the kid with tools or do you coach the uh, group or wait until next year? I mean, I, I, I think that John, it's a, it's a very good question because there is a balance that needs to happen, right? Because different, it's like teaching every student or every player you have has different needs to learn, right? Like they have different needs in this situation. There needs to be, there needs to be consistency across the board, right? There needs to be consistency, but I personally for a player that is a little further along technically, and then another kid that is not further along technically that needs more refinement, I'm spending more with the latter there, you know, because at, at some point, like you're you're trying to really get that younger player or that kid that needs more refinement, you're trying to get him to a higher level, right? I would argue that if I spend most of my time with the player that has more technical refinement, but it's just kind of a limited ceiling, that I'm that he is already too close to what his ceiling is, right? So I think that prioritizing the younger player in this scenario is a little bit more beneficial for the entirety. Because if I spend the time with the kid that maybe is close to their ceiling, then I'm going to set back the kid that has more potential, but is just not getting the the consistent coaching in, in this environment, right? So I think that for me, I would definitely spend, you know, I'm trying to, to, leverage my time a little bit more to the toolsy younger player because I just don't think that the other scenario is a player in this at least how you phrased it of a kid that's going to get a ton better right that's more about like mental side like let's spend some time in the in in the film room and really start to develop that mental side even more than the physical profile is I'm spending more time with Aaron Banks than I am Robert Hainsey yeah 100% yeah I'm coaching them both but Robert's already good he's good Right. It's just about maintaining and building on some things with Aaron. It's like, I got to really work to get this guy. This guy's a dude. I got to work to get him going. 
So well, I think that's kind of how I look at it. It's it's even like this, John. We talked about jo- uh, you know, Joe Walt and Blake Fisher, right? On the practice field, I'm spending more time with Blake Fisher because we know that there's more refinement needs done. But then when we go into the weight room, Coach Bayless, Joe oh, Joe Walt, get him stronger, brother. Like there's different mm-hmm. avenues, I think, too, of like where the development is. Joe Walt technically is further along than Blake. So I'm spending more time with Blake, but in the weight room, Joe Walt needs a little bit more time potentially, right. if that makes sense. It does. It does. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Keith Wiegand says, uh, Brian, do you know if some of the girls on the softball team get a full scholarship ride? I don't believe any of them do. And number one, I, I you're it's it's a really weird thing. You can give you only have like I think like eleven or twelve um, full scholarships, and what teams will do is most players like they'll give like two thirds of a scholarship away, and you can give up to eighteen players two thirds of a scholarship, which I think is stupid. Yeah, but that's just kind of the way it works. But yeah, most baseball is the same way. I mean, basketball and football, men's and women's basketball and football are, are, are two of the very few sports where you actually get full ride scholarships to student athletes. Most other kids are on some sort of partial. I think track actually might be a full ride scholarship situation as well, but I'm not 100% certain on that. But I know baseball, you can literally not have a full roster of scholarship players. Just it's wild. Which I think it's stupid. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, but yes, the, the NCA here's the NCA Division One school can award eighteen softball players each a two third scholarship and still meet the limit of twelve per school because you only have twelve per year, and so they give partials. You can't give a partial scholarship in football; it's not allowed. You can't give a partial yeah. scholarship in basketball; it's not allowed. So it's a di- completely different set of which makes recruiting a completely different animal than what some of these other schools are doing. Because like here's the thing: if you're like Coach Gump, for example. There may be a girl you love as a player, but she there's no way she can afford a third of the ride to Notre Dame. Like just you know what I mean? Like it just it may it just it's gonna limit you to some degrees with that. It's just like the walk-on thing. It's hard to recruit walk-ons to Notre Dame because they gotta be able to afford to go to Notre Dame. And a lot of people can't. 
So it's a unique situation. Paul A with a super chat. Paul, thank you very, very much. Uh, appreciate that and your support for what we're doing today. Just a reminder for people who may have jumped in late. We are only answering super uh, chats today because this is part of our show that we're doing to raise money for the strikeout cancer initiative that the Notre Dame women's softball team had. If you weren't with us being in the show, we had coach Deanna Gump, who is five wins away from winning more games as a head coach at Notre Dame than any other coach right now. She trails, trails coach McGraw by four. Wow. And then when you're in, when you're in territory with Muffin McGraw for all time wins at Notre Dame, you've done some stuff. Yes. Right. And she's never missed the NCAA tournament ever in her 22 years of, except for the COVID year when everyone missed it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's done doing a great job, but they are doing a strikeout for cancer thing this weekend. Uh, the entire three game series against Pitt, which starts Saturday night at Friday at six o'clock at Melissa Cook Stadium is geared towards also raising money for this goal, which is to battle uh, childhood cancer, but it's not geared towards the research, but to help the families that are actually now going through it. She detailed all the different things that they do. It's a tremendous cause. So all the super chat money that we raise today is going to every single penny that we get from Google for super chats today is going to go to that cause. So that's why today we are only answering super chat. So if you want to have a question answered today, you have to use a super chat. If you want to hang on to it until tomorrow or Friday, you can, but those are the only questions that we're answering today. Also a reminder today that our second show is going to be at 5.30. We're going to be covering the commitment of Anthony Knapp. So we will go who's going to decide between Notre Dame, North Carolina, um, Georgia Tech, Penn State, and NC State. So we'll have that at 5.30 as well. Just a reminder that we will uh, we will be live for that as well. So just wanted to give you all a heads up on that. So some of y'all are asking questions that we're not answering. It's because we're only doing super chats today. It's just part of the deal that we're doing. We have a super chat here from Hawk Strongest. And then he followed, if you've given a super chat where you just offered support, we will then answer a later question from you. He had one. He says, even if Tyler Buckner doesn't start, do you guys still think he'll play a big role? Yes, but I think we need to understand what that role might be be right like it doesn't have to necessarily be it doesn't have to necessarily be just that he's going to play on the field in a some type of niche role right like think about what he did in 2021 is kind of a de facto wildcat quarterback and kind of gave you a little bit of that change up package I think Brian for me does he play a big role yes because if he buys into the program and what they're selling and he's and he's in it and, and comes back for 2024, then he could potentially be the starting quarterback, right? So, yes, he could play a big role because I think you're not just talking about the short term for me, Hulk. Like, you're talking about the long term as well. If Tyler Buckner really buys into the development, even if he's not the starting quarterback, could he have an impact? Yes, he can have a long-term impact because he could be the starting quarterback in 2024 if he really buys into the development and the vision that the coaches are selling him. So, short term, could he have some impact in some type of a niche role if he doesn't win the starting job? It's possible. But I think the long-term impact is even bigger for me. Yeah, Ryan, I'm I'm still really torn on what to do with Tyler Buckner this season. Really yeah. torn. Because part of me is like, he is too dynamic of a football player to not be doing something. But the other part of me is saying, yes, he can help my football team right now, even if he's not the starter. Having said that, I think your point about the future is really important because the other the other way to look at it, Ryan, is that is this way is imagine if he just took the year where we're going to maybe sacrifice a, a potential weapon for the team in order to get him ready to be that guy next year, then all of a sudden 
you've really made him better and it's the best thing for him and the kind of player he could be in that regard. That's kind of where I look at it, Ryan, and say part of me is really attracted to the idea of still falling away to have him play because he's just too good not to play. Sure. But also realizing the potential benefit that could come to him down the road if he doesn't play yep. this year. It just really focuses on the development. And when I mean plays, he'll play, but it's like mop-up duty, backup if his number's called. But not bringing him in a niche role, which then gets him away from developing the areas that he needs to develop, pocket passer, going through progressions, throwing on time. We know he can run. But if we're getting back to, to doing that, are we really helping him develop those other areas that we need we need him to develop to make more plays with his arm? So I'm I'm really constantly back and forth on that. I, I really am. And um, I get yeah, it, man. We'll see. I get it. I get it. We'll see. We have a super chat here from Presley Laypath. It says, screw cancer. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We also have a super chat here from Nathan Milton for cancer strikeout. So we'll get to one of your questions here. Nathan, I don't know if I've seen any. If you've put in a question into the chat, just can you just redo it and we'll get to it? Or if you want us to answer the question that you brought up yesterday, either one, just uh, put that in there and we'll, we'll get to it. So we appreciate both of you guys for those. One for Mike Huff. Mike says, amazing story. I'm glad she pulled through my donation. Appreciate you, Mike. Really do. Really appreciate that. Uh, we got one from Catman85. He says, who comes in as the number three tight end when the offense is running two tight end formations with Holden Stace or Mitchell Evans need to be subbed for, you think, the freshman Cooper Flanagan? I, I think that Cooper could be that guy, potentially. It's it's tough for me to project that right now, though, because Cooper's not going to be a guy that's going to get here until the summer, right? Like, he's not in spring ball. I think right now, Brian, that guy is um, 38. I always forget his name for some reason. Um, Davis Sherwood. Davis Sherwood, yes, who is the fullback, H-back, kind of all-over-the-place type of player who actually played a little bit last year. He did. So I think Davis Sherwood is that guy right now. But to your question, like projected to the future, could Cooper Flanagan get in here if Kev- if Kevin Bauman and Eli Raritan are still injured and carve out that role? It's possible. But I mean, as of right now, if you're asking me to who's that guy right now, I think it's Davis Sherwood as as we stand today. I agree again because there is nobody else right now. Yes, <laughs> I mean other than him, I think if when Eli Raritan comes back, he'll obviously have a role there too. And yeah. and you know I won't be shocked if Cooper Flanagan has some sort of blocking role as a freshman, especially yeah. with all the injuries that the position has kind of gone through right now. Probably at least on like goal line, short yardage stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like get Cooper right. Flanagan in the game because. Yeah, he's 255 pounds right now, Brian. So he's going to yeah. be a big cat oh, yeah. when he gets on campus, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Matt Last, appreciate you, Matt. Bleep cancer. I'm with you, man. I am with you on that. Absolutely. I have a comment from Omar Austin, and he says, uh, Golden's answer from the PC gave me hope, uh, some hope for the D-line and linebackers. How do you guys feel about it? And Ryan, with uh, Richardson being mocked before Young, why are teams not trading for Lamar Jackson? So uh, let me um, let me stick on the first one. First of all, he was referring sure. to something that Al Golden said about – they're, they're being able to take more time with the players and take more time in teaching and coaching. And uh, my answer to that is, Ryan, is if that's true, then that's phenomenal. I'm going to yes. believe it when I see it. But if I, this is if if what you and I haven't had a chance to listen to the press conference yet because I was prepping for the show today and just doing some other things. I'll listen to it later. I don't put a lot of stock in what coaches say at press conferences. I don't. Al Gold's a savvy guy. He knows what we want to hear. I care about what he's doing. 
And if we find out that he is spending more time on making sure the players know it and how to do it fundamentally and technically, then that's phenomenal. That's what we're calling for. That's what we were begging him for. And if he does that, he'll have a phenomenal year as the defensive coordinator. You know, combine your intelligence with what the players can handle technically and fundamentally and execution wise. And this defense is going to be very good. Very good. So yes, I'm 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 encouraged if that's what we'd see. I just, you know, I'm at the point now, Ryan. I've been doing this so long. It's like sounds great. Let me see it. <laughs> exactly. Let me see it. Can yeah. can I can I address the 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 draft thing that a lot of people are just not understanding? And and I'm curious what your thoughts on this, Ryan. Okay. Yes, Lamar Jackson's an incredible talent. Yes, he's a former MVP. Even if you take away the injury part of it, right? What you all have to understand is if I'm a team trying to rebuild, which is what teams in the top five are, in order to get Lamar Jackson, I got to give up two first-round draft picks and pay him a maxed-out basis, a huge contract with guaranteed money, which means I'm losing the potential to add two premium draft players to the draft, and I've just committed a ton of money to one player. Whereas if I take C.J. Stroud, he may not be Lamar next year. He may not ever be Lamar. But you know what he's going to be for the next five years? A whole lot freaking cheaper than Lamar, which means I now have a lot of cap room to give to other people. Then you throw in the fact that Lamar's missed games each of the last two years, and he plays a style of game that is people do question, then I think that's valid. I personally don't buy that as much because I think Lamar's style of play is more about what the Ravens had him do. I still believe, if coached correctly, Lamar could be a much better pocket player than like a Robert Griffin the third could have been, in my opinion. I think he has a much better feel for passing game. I saw we saw that in college. I've always felt Lamar had a lot more passing potential than an RG3 and guys like that. I think the Ravens never developed that. That's been an issue of mine. You've known that for a long time. But it's not just about trading that number one pick for Lamar. You're trading your number one pick this year, you're trading your number one pick next year. You're giving him a max, a huge deal, which limits your ability to rebuild. Because these are teams that are rebuilding. A quarterback isn't fixing that, right? Uh, he's just not fixing that. So I don't think that that's an answer for those teams that 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 need a lot of work. Lamar doesn't just walk. He's not the kind of player because he's not Pat Mahomes, with all due respect. He's not the kind of guy that you put on a roster and all of a sudden you go from being four and twelve, four and thirteen now, to a Super Bowl contender. He's not. The Ravens have a lot more resources than the teams picking in the top five this year, and he still could barely get them into the playoffs the last few years. So I just, I, I just think that people need to realize this is a this is a business decision as as much as it is a football decision, and people have to look at it that way. And a lot of NFL players apparently don't get that; they don't understand that. That's my take on it, Ryan. I'm curious what your thoughts yeah. are on this. On this, I mean, I think the injuries is the big part, right? Like, I mean, it, it's one thing where you're. He's going to demand a lot of money, right? Like he's going to reset the market. And when you're resetting the market, when a player has had durability issues over the last couple of years, it's it's the risk versus reward type of conversation, right? Like that's kind of all it comes down to for me is that it's a – is Lamar incredibly talented? Yes. Has he been very productive when he's been healthy? Yes. The answer is yes. But when you're putting so much money into a player uh, – availability does matter, right? Like we can't just like skate by it and be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Especially because Brian, you made a, a good point is that when you're putting so much money into them, we know, and we talked about this, 
roster construction is going to change because you're going to have less money to put in other spots. So if I'm, if I'm putting into a player that might also not be available from time to time, then I've hurt my roster and I'm not getting the bank for my buck at the end of the day, right? Like that's kind of where it comes down to. And Omar, for your second parter about what's with Anthony Richardson being mocked before Bryce Young, <laughs> this is what I will say this time of year, sir. Stop reading mock drafts, please. All you know, just stop. The only mock draft I would read is Dame Brugler, the only one, because he is the only one, in my opinion, in that industry that includes Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. All due respect, because Mel's the godfather of draft coverage. So, like, I'm not throwing shade at him. And you sound like the, him, but there's that too. You know, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Those guys are very click base oriented. Is there some analysis that comes in? Sure. Do they have intel into the league? Yes, they do. I'm not saying they don't. But mocking Will Levis number one overall and doing that type of stuff, it, there's just some stuff that you're not going to believe. I ultimately believe that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud will be the first two quarterbacks off the board. That's that's my general opinion there based upon yeah. things I'm hearing and where we are. So some people's mocks, I just would not give the, the time of day. I think that Anthony Richardson is going to go in the top 10. Like There's no doubt in my mind in that regard. But I don't think he's going to go over Bryce Young. I think that's pretty far-fetched at this point. I said this, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are very similar in that they're both very raw quarterbacks that you're taking a shot on. But I would take Anthony Richardson over Will Levis any day of the week. I don't think it's even debatable for me, Ryan. I don't think there's that much of a difference of who they are now, but Will Anthony Robertson Richardson is a redshirt sophomore who started one year. Will Levis is a sixth-year senior who is is who he is. So when you're raw as a sixth-year senior, that's a problem. I'm sorry. That's a problem. So I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't. But the Lamar thing, I just, I, there's too many people that focus on the wrong part of this and just get all in their feelings about it. Cause they see Richard Sherman all upset about it. And you know, how would you, how could you take Brock Purdy over him? Well, I can't afford him. Like, you know, there's a salary cap thing, right? And I've got a lot of money in Trent Williams and Nick Bosa and these other guys. I can't afford Lamar. Yes, he's yeah. a better. No, no one on the planet thinks he's a better. Thinks Lamar Jackson is not a significantly better quarterback than Brock Purdy, or even Trey Lance. But I can't afford to have him on my roster, right? I mean, that's the that's so, the just the the economics of this sport. Can, can you know, I, a silly comment was just said. It's his agents that is killing it. That's it. Who's the agent? He does, he, he's his own <laughs> he's agent. He doesn't agent. have an agent. <laughs> right. Right. Well, just who, said, who said that? I think Michael Campbell said it. it's the agent oh. that's killing it. Yeah, so himself, yeah. he's killing yes. it? Yeah, Lamar's sure. agent is Lamar, <laughs> right? And so oh. that's that's also, I think, part of the problem. And and I've discussed that before. But I'm I'm all about you being your own agent in between contract signings. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that that's just kind of the, the deal. But um, there's <laughs> ridiculous. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it, you just you have to look at it that way, you know. And was, well, the Browns, the Browns were stupid to give Deshaun Watson that kind of money. That was dumb. That was dumb. Other teams aren't dumb, and they say, "Well, the market's been reset." No, no, it hasn't. The Browns showed what they're willing to pay. Clearly, no one else is willing to give that kind of deal to Lamar Jackson. And there's only one reason for it. It it, it just it's way too risky. It's with if Ryan, you're talking about investing over two hundred million dollars in this guy. Yeah, I, I got to have a lot of answers about that first. And can you put a team on your shoulders the way that the Pat Mahomes has? Has Lamar Jackson, as talented as he is, shown that he can do that the way that Pat Mahomes can? 
No, he hasn't. He hasn't. Now, yes, he's had Pat Mahomes had better players. There's no doubt. There's no Travis Kelsey for the Ravens. I get that. But Lamar just hasn't been proven he can be that kind of guy. I personally think, Ryan, he can be that kind of guy. And I'll sit there and pound on the table and say, yeah, I think he can be that kind of guy. But if you had said, hey, Brian, okay, fine. Put $200 million on that bet. Uh, no, right, I'm good. Right. Yeah. I'm good. That's the difference. Yeah, That's the difference. So that's where I'm at with that conversation, Brian. So I like talking this. I'm learning from you, man. See, you like that? Learning from you. Yeah. Here's yeah. one from Irish Eagle 90 who gave a huge super chat earlier. So we appreciate you very, very much. Ryan, the, qu- the question is, do you guys think having one receiver with a monster year or multiple receivers having a decent to good year makes a greater impact with recruits? That's an interesting question. With recruits, I mean, it's the it's team success plus one guy having a huge year. Yeah. With most recruits. Well, let me rephrase. With the big time recruits, with Ryan Wingo, it's going to be the one receiver having a monster year. Yeah. With the guy you're trying to get to be your third and fourth receiver, a Caleb Smith type a Rico Flores type, a a guy like that, it's the, hey, look how many guys caught more than 30 passes. Exactly, yeah. Like we get guys on the field and we help let guy, multiple guys contribute. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But the studs, the five stars, they want to know, can I go there and be a first-round draft pick? It's, right. So it's different for every player. Sure. Uh, if, if I were to say, if I were to say, because like here's the thing, you know who the perfect example for the latter one is? It's Ohio State. Who's the receiver at Ohio State that's had the monster year that's in the NFL right now? The, the closest thing you can come to is Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he's, you know, he's he's kind of going, you know, he, he's built off last year. But Garrett Wilson never had a monster year at Notre Dame. I mean, at Ohio State, his best year was seventy catches for one thousand and fifty-eight yards and twelve touchdowns. That's good. That's not as good as what Will Fuller did. Not even close to what Will Fuller did. You know, I mean, their, their thing was they had three guys that had a lot of yards. Yeah. You know, I mean, in two thousand nineteen. Ohio State didn't have a single receiver get to 900 yards. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin, I'm going through this. Marvin Harrison Jr. are the only Ohio State receivers since going, I'm going all the way back to 2009 that have gone for over 1,100 yards receiving and they've only, or uh, 1,200 yards receiving. They've had one, two, three, four, five, Paris Campbell. Since 2010, 2009, Ohio State's had five guys go for over 1,000 yards. That's it. Yeah. Because what they've made their living on is, dude, we have seven guys catching the football. <laughs> Seriously. Right? Yeah. And so, yes, you don't have to be a 80-90 catch guy for 1,300 yards to be a first-round draft pick. Garrett Wilson barely made it over 1,000 yards his last year. He was a first-round draft pick. Chris Olave, do you know how many, you know how many 1,000-yard seasons Chris Olave had in college? Zero. 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 He was, what, where did he get picked? It was the top 15, wasn't 11, it? 11th overall, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. never had, had – had only went over 900 once. Why? Because we spread the ball around. And yeah. that led to them getting the Marvin Harrisons and the Emekas and all that. And I would argue last year that having two guys that dominated the catches last year hurt Ohio State. Because they couldn't spread the ball because there was a big drop off because of all the injuries after the top two guys, so I would argue that it hurt their offense not having the, the ability to spread the ball around the way that they could in past years. That's my opinion. I, you know, others may disagree, but so I mean, it, but you've got to you've, but see, but the re, the thing is there, though, Ryan. But the, the, that's countered by the NFL draft success. That's the difference sure. yep. in the NFL success. Says, hey, look, Michael Thomas never had a thousand yards, but look what he became. You know, 
I think that's the thing. That's when we circle back to what we talked about yesterday. It's the NFL. You got to be able to put guys in the NFL and have six and high draft picks and have success. Yep. In my okay, and we, and we got another um, one here about Lamar Ryan. Okay, and Christopher, thank you for the super chat. Says great cause. Thank you. Question. What do you guys think of the whole Lamar Jackson situation? I find it odd that one of the most stable organizations over the last two decades de- decades is taking all the blame. Are they taking all the blame? I don't yeah. see how they could take Are they taking I, well, all from it? what I've seen? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of people willing to criticize Lamar and how he's handling it. There's a few people, but then, you know, you, you got to be careful how much you want to criticize Lamar in this conversation because for obvious reasons, but I've seen uh, – and a lot of the Ravens organization stuff boils down to Greg Roman, right? Yeah. But then, like, Lamar does this thing where the day that J- J- uh, Harbaugh is going to speak at the owner's thing, Lamar releases this whole thing about how he had asked for a trade. So I, I don't I don't think Lamar's necessarily handled himself real well this whole process, like not traveling with his team to the playoff game. Like, he did a lot of things to me that he deserves a lot more criticism for that I'm disappointed in him to be honest with you. It's like, I know you got your financial stuff, but traveling with your team to the playoff game is something you're doing because you're the leader of this team. Right. I don't care if you're going to be the leader of the team next year or not. You're the leader of this team. And and I don't think he's catching enough criticism for that type of stuff. It shouldn't affect whether I want him or not, if I really want him. But he, what he's doing, Ryan, is he's kind of backing himself into a corner where the Ravens are no longer an option for you. Sure. And that's not where you want to be in my opinion, because if I know the Ravens aren't going to sign you now because you've burned that bridge, then where's your bargaining power? And this is why you need an agent. Well, that's, that's why I think that's why I don't know. I'm just, I think both sides need some blame in this whole conversation, right? I mean, the negotiations that happen, negotiations are between two parties, not just one party, right? Like if something hasn't get done, maybe Lamar Jackson has overestimated his market, right? Like maybe that's a starting point. And then the trade stuff, like, at some point, man, like I'm not going to trade a, a valuable asset for nothing if I'm the Ravens, right? Like I'm not just going to trade him away for anything. Like I think that would be silly. So I think both deserve a little bit. I, I did see in the chat that someone um, – forget I, I, th- I think someone was saying about his mom represents him or something like that. And yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. We can move past that though. <laughs> he, he represents himself and his mom is there with him. And yes. to me – that's fine when you're negotiating deals with for you know Nike or whatever else. But when you're doing these these type of contracts are are not pleasant when you're when you're like you've heard people say in baseball like avoid arbitration hearings because just so you know this the team has to be able to go in there and point out your flaws in order to pay you what they think they want to play you. It's it's not it's not a fun process. And then yes. when you're you got to let the agent have that battle. Right. Yep. And, you know, Lamar chose not to do that. And I, I think he's hurt himself because he doesn't have when someone guide him say, hey, man, like you, you probably shouldn't burn that bridge with the Ravens just yet. Make your presence known, make your feelings known. But you may not want to go that far because you're not going to help yourself. They both deserve blame to a degree. There's no question. I don't think the Ravens have done a very good job of developing Lamar. I think they've pigeonholed right. they pigeonholed him into a this is who he is corner that I don't think he necessarily should be pigeonholed into, in my opinion. And, and sure. Can I also say one more thing? Because I just I just want to make sure that there's not inconsistency in the chat as far as like knowledge of this. Because I think that that's what we're here to do is to to you know gain knowledge to people, right? Mm-hmm. When you're when you're talking about when you're talking about a contract structure with an agent, right? Because I saw someone say that the Ravens have to pay an extra three percent to Lamar's agent, who's his mom. That's not how that works, mm-hmm. 
Lamar would get paid the money. And if his mom is his agent, then she would get 3% of that money, right? Like the money on the table. It's not an extra 3%. Like there's not an extra 3% that the Ravens have to pay an agent. That money comes out of the total If the agent wants his 3%, then he would just negotiate for a higher amount that the 3% would come out of. You're correct. It doesn't go to, there's not, okay, I'm paying you $200 million. And then 3% of that, I got to pay to your agent on top of the two. No, I'm giving you $200 million. It's up to you to pay your agent, whatever you guys agreed to. That, that 3% comes out of the $200 million deal, not an extra 3% on the top of 200 million. Like there's not, this isn't like a taxation thing that's happening here. (laughs) Right. Right. All right. Let's get back to uh, some questions here about Notre Dame. Yes. And uh, here's one, Ryan. I'll ask you this question from Charlie yeah. Weiss's last belt loop. He says, what does the staff see in Sean Civiliano? I know he has size, and, uh, 6'2", 305. I know they want big guys in the line. Would this be a good add to the 2024 class? He didn't look that big in person to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's listed between 6'2", and 6'3", and 300. Through, I've seen somebody say 290 as well in the yeah. past. So, like, I don't know how big he is. But, Charlie, I think – I mean, you just answered your question, though. They see size, right? They see size. He's a, you know, he's a, he's got some good things on film and he was very productive. Like there's no doubt. I mean, would it be a good, I, it would look, he adds something that you don't have enough of there, but there are better options on the, on the, on the, there's better options on the, on Agreed. the, on the board. Way better game, options. Right? On the like, board. like if you, if you miss out on David Pele, Pele and TJ Lindsay, and you end up with Sean Civiliano, like, that's I'd say save the scholarship for next year. You have yeah. Owen Wafel, save the scholarship for next year, give it to an end. That's what I would yep. do. I just the film is 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 dominant against a really bad level of competition. And that's where, you know, I've always said I don't care what the level of competition is. It doesn't define you as a player. What it does, however, is it makes it sometimes a little bit more challenging to evaluate the player. Because I mean, this guy's dominant, yeah. but then you got to project that. Okay, would he be doing this if he was playing against such and such? And then like the answer is no. Yeah. So um, I'm just I'm not in love with him as a player, but he's he's raw too. I mean, he hasn't played football for very long. I don't believe either, Ryan. So there's some stuff yeah. there. I just I'm uh, I'm not I'm not sure I would go there. Yes, for me, I'm just yeah, I'm not Agreed. sure if I'm if I'd be ready to go there. All right, here's here's one, for Christopher Crosby. Thank you also very much for your super chat, Christopher. Yes, appreciate it. The subject hits very close to home. So thanks to everyone who was able to help with this cause. Thanks to IB and staff for making this a priority. It means a lot to me to be a part of such a great community like this. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We're you. glad to have you part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. We've always said we want to build a community, not just have a show, not yeah. just have a revenue stream. It is a revenue stream. It is a show, but we want it to be more than that. We want it to be a community. And sometimes community Shut. comes together in different ways, whether it's yep. offering prayer for someone who needs it, support for someone who needs it, or when, when things like this can come along and we can use our platform to bring awareness to a cause. I mean, how many of you all would have known about this fundraiser if we didn't do this, right? This is why we wanted to do it. This isn't about us. I mean, I'm just saying like, we have a platform, you know, when I kneel before God at the end of my life, I want to be able to say, you know, you gave me this blessing and I did my best to use it in a way that furthered your kingdom, right? That's right. what I want to be able to do. And, um, you know, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So um, I'm honored and I'm very grateful that coach Gump was willing to spend time with us. I thought she was going to give us like 10 minutes and she's like, no, no, you got 30 minutes. I was like, yeah, I got 30 minutes coach. No doubt. <laughs> so uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. That's really cool. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. And uh, here's one from Kay Grant. 
Okay, a big one. Appreciate you, sir, as always. I have a close family member who has cancer. I hate cancer. Cancer stinks. Also, like this show and join the message board, everyone. Thank you, man. I agree with that last part, especially on top of the other stuff. Definitely join the message board, everyone. You can see the link down there, or you can see the web address down there, boards.irishbreakdown.com. Now we got another one here from Christopher Crosby. Christopher says, Ohio State and Notre Dame had the best wide receiver holes last cycle. Whose overall class will turn out better when it all when it is all said and done, assuming health and things are not an issue? Sorry, Archer, got to take Notre Dame here, but it's close. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Notre Dame's turns out better because I think that Ohio State class has to deal with more competition in the years around it as far as getting guys on the field, right? I mean, if you want to get on the field this year and you're Cardinal Tater, Brandon Innes, you got to beat out Caleb Brown. You've got to beat out like, the uh, the, uh, uh, the Koji kid from mm-hmm. Georgia. You've got to beat out um, – I'm trying to drop the uh, – Brian, uh, the Graves kid, Keon Graves from Arizona, who I think is a really good player. They got a kid from Texas, a really good player. And, and then they're going to sign some dudes next year. You gotta, you're going to have to hold off Jeremiah Smith, who they already have recruited, you know, committed in next year's class. So if we're talking about, you know, who has a better chance to pan out, I'd say it's Notre Dame's because of that. Yeah. But when you talk about who had the better, like, players, uh, I mean, I got to give the edge to Ohio State. Brandon Ennis, yeah. to me, is better than anybody that Notre Dame has. And Ennis Caleb Burton's a kid from Texas. Uh, yeah. Cardinal Tate's every bit as good as Notre Dame's best guy. They got two guys like that. Yeah. I would argue that Notre Dame's ceilings are much are 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 as high as the Ohio State kids. The ceilings are as high, but there's a. I have Braylon James and Jane Greathouse both as top hundred players. I have Rico Flores and Cam Smith as top one hundred and fifty players. I have Brandon Ennis as a top fifteen national fifteen national player. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the seeing, it, seeing him in person, yeah. too, was like, right. oh, <laughs> it's a different well, cat, and, and the other thing, too, is people forget Ohio State signed four receivers. The kid they got, the Bryson Rogers kid that they got is a pretty good football player, too. Yeah. And Noah Rogers is a top 100 player. They got three top 100 players. Notre Dame got two and yeah. they got four top 200 players, which is the same number Notre Dame had. So, um, you know, th- that's why they get the edge. Now, my point about how Notre Dame's can end up panning out better is, is like I said, for those four kids to get on the field, there's a lot more before and after them that they have to beat out than what the Notre Dame kids have to go against. It's just Tobias right now in the 23. Sure. Now, it could get more challenging if they're, you know, they already got Cam Williams in 24, right? And and obviously they can have another big class then, but right now there's just a little bit of an easier path for the Notre Dame kids than yep. there is for the Ohio State kids. I agree. That's, that's where I'm at on that. But yeah, yep. I'd give the edge to Ohio, to Ohio State. There aren't many others that I would do that with. Agreed. There's maybe only two or three that I think are should be in the conversation with Notre Dame. Like Bama's, I don't like Bama's receiver class as much as I love Shelton uh, Sampson Ryan, and 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 I love Shelton Sampson as a player. He is really good. I don't like the rest of that class a receiver as much as I as much as I do. I I saw Shelton Sampson like Rivals has him at number like 111. Have, did you see that kid's film? Yeah, there's no way in freaking heck that there's 110 players better than Shelton. I don't know if there's 49 better players in the country than Shelton Sampson. Uh, Jalen Brown's a good player. Kyle Parker's a good player. Uh, Kai Preen's a good player. I just think Notre Dame's two through four is better than their two through four. But Shelton Sampson's a dude. He's an absolute dude. But there, that was a very that was also a very good receiver class. I just like Notre Dame's a little bit better. Um, you know, Ohio State's is a little bit better. I like Notre Dame's better than Alabama's. 
I'll, I'll definitely say that. I mean, Alabama's got a good oh, yeah. receiving, a good class, no doubt a receiver, but I wouldn't trade Notre Dame's for their class. Cole Adams is very overrated. Uh, they got the the Juco kid, Malik Benson. He's a good player. Jalen Hale's yeah. a good player. He didn't progress as a senior as much as I like. Jaron Hamilton's not better, I think, than the guys Notre Dame got. If Cole Adams doesn't, if Cole Adams signs with, I don't know, Georgia Tech and not Alabama, he's not ranked where he's ranked. I'm sorry. He's not. Agree. Agree. So uh, Jalen Hale, I like a lot. He didn't make the jump as a senior that I thought he was going to make, though. He's talented. Though. He's talented. Yeah, he's a good. Yeah. It's a great receiver class, Ryan. I mean, it was a yeah. great receiver class nationally. Loaded receiver class. Yep. And that's how you get you know guys who maybe aren't five stars but still have a great class. And a lot of where you're going to view Notre Dame is going to come down to where do you view Caleb Smith. That fourth guy can have a long way, a big determiner of where how you view that class. And I, I personally think that he's very good. Mm-hmm. Was a very good player. All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan. We got one from T Guns, my man, T Guns. Tommy says, "IB Nation working nights this week, but had to wake up to pop in for today. Hope all is well." Glad to have you, man. Really glad to have you. We got a super chat here from Ape Gambino as well. He said, "Thank you for the job you guys do." Hashtag strikeout cancer. I am with you on that, buddy. Absolutely. Appreciate you very, very much. And appreciate all the support that you all are given. I mean, we're way over $500 now. And and money raised just directly through the chest. We we might even get to the point where we actually get 500 total cut, not just 500 total, but the total cut may get closer there if we get a few more of these. have another super sticker down here from CW Pura. Great, great guy. I'll say this now. When my mom got sick, he is a uh, he. He really stepped up and 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 uh, showed great support. So uh, that's my guy right there. Wade Garrett, also super chat. Thank you so much, Wade. No question for you too. Just here to support. We appreciate that also very much. John Bertucci, I think, gave two super chats. Here's one from him. Says go Irish. He gave another one down here, which we greatly appreciate, John. And then uh, and then Michael Campbell, super chat. Thank you, Michael. Strike out cancer uh so we appreciate all you guys i thought this was hilarious ryan from ramlick carrot he was just busting your chops a little bit he says walter mock draft is where ryan gets his info that's a I, a, 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 I, a very funny uh don't yeah. here i will give people life advice here yeah. here's life advice for you never go on to walter football ever please don't go on walter football yes from a from a and now draft analysis perspective or just a general being a hu- good human being perspective do yes. not go on to yes. football please that's sound advice that is yes. very sound advice and then we have a a, a a big super chat from Corey o'shaughnessy we appreciate you Corey, very much longtime listener who doesn't comment but i enjoy your content and hate cancer go irish we certainly appreciate your appreciation of our content and then we all agree cancer sucks buddy i appreciate that very, very much. Let's get back to questions we have up here, Ryan. But I did want to give some thanks out to those folks. We have one here from Nathan Milton. His question is, which will be better, 2024 offensive line or defensive line? 2024? Ooh. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, think we're talking, about, we're talking about recruiting, right? Recruiting? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nathan, are you talking about recruiting or are you talking about um, team? But recruiting-wise – it's a good question. I mean, there's a big question marks on both if, sides of the ball. If they get Justin Scott, I think it's going to be defensive line recruiting, in my opinion. But I'd have to, I'd have to see, I'd have to see who else they get. Yeah, like if it's Justin Scott and like Sean Savigliano, he said recruiting, and um, yeah. you know that's it. 
and the offense gets Gerby Lambert and you know some other guys I like, then yeah, sure, I might give. I you know to me, to me, I'd, I'd I, if they get Justin Scott, I'd probably lean towards Ryan, but I think they need to get a couple like they need to get a a couple other good play like a Logan Thomas. If they get Justin Scott, yeah. Logan Thomas, and some guy along with Owen Wafel, who I think is very underrated. I love Owen Wafel as a player. Then I think it'll end up being the D line as of right now. Yeah. I, I'm I'm very curious how the offensive line is going to shake out, Ryan, because you know it, 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 we'll talk more about that tonight. We'll just yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that tonight. Yeah. All right, here we go. Let's get to some more here, Ryan. Here's from Ant Br. Ant's question: In your opinion, what are the what are the top five head coaching jobs in college football? It's a very good question. So here's an interesting one. Alabama is a top five job now, and it'll be a top five job for Nick Saban's replacement. It will not be a top five job for Nick Saban's replacement because the pressure that will be on the guy that has to replace Nick Saban is going to be to the point where there's no way you can live up to the expectations. It's kind of like Ron Zook. Ron Zook was basically the, the sacrificial lamb to bridge the gap between Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, right? But there was just like no way. And, and, and honestly, Ohio State kind of had that because you had that year of Luke Fickle, which was a disaster. And yeah. then Urban Meyer replaces them and all, you know, so it's going to be a tough job for whoever replaces Nick Saban just because the expectations are insane. I, I um, think I think one that you just said that I think would be a really good job if it came open is Ohio State, though. I think yes. Ohio State would be one of the top jobs. Even though like, insane fan base, but just tons yes. of support and tons of resources. Agree. You're in a great state. I think that's a great job. I mean, I, I think Notre Dame's a top five job uh, or can be a top five job. But right now, the administration needs to step up to the plate and make it make it so. Uh, yeah, but. I would say right now I probably wouldn't make it a top five job just because of the, some of the stuff that the school is not doing to support the football program financially, salaries and staff support and all that. It's hard for me not to say Georgia as a top five job. I mean, I, I think, I think so. We got Alabama, yeah. we got Ohio State, you got Georgia. I think Texas is a top five job. I mean, there's nowhere you're going to yeah. get better resources. It's a great in-state situation. Uh, I think that's a, gr- I think that's a great, great job. Getting yep. the number five is tough, Ryan, because there's a yeah. like this is why it should be easily Notre Dame, but you know they're just yeah. not supporting. But I don't think Michigan's a top five job. I know people think it is. I don't think it is. USC to me is not a top five job in my opinion. A lot of people think it is. I don't think it is. You know, Miami, Florida State are not top five jobs. LSU, sort of in the conversation. It's in the conversation. I don't know if I'd put it in there. Uh, trying to t- Tennessee is a great job. I think Tennessee might be one that I would view as a, a, a I, I think Penn state's a great job. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I'd put it top five, but I think that's a great job. Great in-state support, decent. I mean, between Pennsylvania, Jersey and Maryland, DC, you've got a really strong recruiting base, uh, tons of financial support. I did at least they're in my conversation to be honest I, with you. I, I think that for me, I, I think, LSU might be in my five, but they would barely eke out. I mean, they're because yeah. I, th- I think that between it, there's a big. Do, would you say there's a big drop off between the first four we mentioned: yeah, Texas, 100%. Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia? There's a pretty yes, big drop off. I would, I would, I would say Oklahoma is close to being a top five job for me ish. I mean, not the, right the reason, now because the, the reason I say no but, is because to me, Ryan, to be a great job, you need a great recruiting. You need a great base recruiting area. 
And they can recruit Texas well, but they'll never be the dogs in Texas if Texas is good. Sure. Because what the schools – and that's why Georgia's in the top five now, and they weren't – 20 years ago, I would not have had Georgia as a top five job. You didn't have the same level of tradition, but also you didn't have the home state base. Now Georgia's just takes such a huge jump in uh, in um, producing big-time players, Ryan, in the last 20 years that that's that's made it a great job. Yeah. USC 15, 20 years ago is without question a top five job because California was so loaded and it's just not as loaded anymore. That's the reason why I don't have Oregon as a top five job. Oregon's a great school for football in a lot of ways, but you've got to travel to recruit players. There's, you know, Oklahoma does as well to a degree. That's the only thing to hold. Like, that's why I would take LSU over Oklahoma, right? Because Louisiana's got a much better base and then LSU can go into Texas and Florida as well just like Texas can so that that'd be that's the only reason there but that comes down to right what is your criteria for a top five job which we didn't really establish well well I I was thinking of as like if I'm a coach what would be attractive to me as far as what a job could give me you know one Brian that's going to shock some people that Mike Hoge just put in the chat Texas A&M is a pretty desirable job to me if that job comes open because there's going to be talent there you're in Texas. I don't know, man. I feel like that could be a really – like if you're a good coach, yeah. I feel like that could be a – I could be a one where you turn really, it around quick. It's a top 10 to 15 job, but I've never felt it was as good of a job as people make it to be because uh, here's why. Great financial support, great resources and all that, but you're never – it's hard for me to pick a school to be number in the top five when you're never going to be the number one school in your state. Right now, you may have a better football team than the number one, but like Auburn in years where Auburn was made a better football team than, than Alabama, they're still the number two school in the state. Right. I mean, Michigan State may have years where they're better than Michigan. They're still the number two school in the state. And that's kind of that's kind of thing that 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 hurts me a little bit with Texas A&M. And they don't have the tradition that people think that they do either. I mean, they haven't won a championship. Somewhat freaking Bear Bryant was there or something like that. I mean, did they even win one when he was there? So uh, that's um, that's one for me. I don't think Nebraska can be a top five job anymore. It's a good job. Nebraska can be, it's not what it was 30 years ago. It's not. Yeah. In the nineties, we can have a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but yeah, right. I mean, you could make a case for like, you can make a case for Texas A&M and then I can pick it apart and then I can make a case for LSU and then you could pick it apart. That's, that's the thing is like after the top four, there's a lot of tough ones. And that's why I get pissed off at Notre Dame because if they would support the football team the way that they should, not my lower academic standards and all that, my spending money the way you should be spending money. Notre Dame should be a top five job. It's got tradition. It's got history. It's got a tremendous academic situation. It's it's situated in an area where they can recruit. They can recruit nationally as well as any team in the country. But they just don't support the football team the way they need to, in my yep. opinion. And that's what holds them back. I, I think Flo- I think Florida would be a job if they weren't just so crazy and just fire people so quickly. Right. You know I mean, like from a but, coaching. Yeah, like, and that's that's part of it, though, right? I mean, that's the kind of yeah. thing that that can make the job not. That's why I don't think Auburn's a great job because yeah. Auburn fans think they're Alabama and they're not, and they're ex. I mean, look, you know, some of these jobs people think are great jobs, like Clemson. To me, I don't know if Clemson's. A, I think Dabo made it a great job. I don't think it's necessarily a top. It's a good job. Don't get me wrong, but it's. I don't know if it's. A top five for me because yeah. selling the ACC is a little different to me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. 
it's it's a and and no, I don't think Iowa is a better job than Nebraska. It's well, I mean, not. I mean, I, I would love to be an Iowa offensive coordinator. All I have to do is yeah. average twenty five points a game. I get a That's payout. It. So That's yeah, it. man. I was a Iowa is a better program and has been for years, but being a better program doesn't define the job. Right. The job is do you have in-state recruiting ability? Well, neither Nebraska or Iowa really have a ton of that. It's about alumni base, it's about money, it's about resources, it's about all that. And Iowa doesn't spend the way that Nebraska does. Sure. Right. You could you could argue that Nebraska, what brings Nebraska down a little bit, right, is they don't have the realistic view of who they should be anymore, like they like other teams. But um Tennessee, Tennessee would Tennessee would be in there if not for the same problem. They have a very unrealistic fan base. Yeah. Like you're not who you think you are. And if they had a more realistic thing, then that would be a much better job. Yeah. Right. Right. And again, we're not talking about programs. We're talking about jobs. Right. So like right now, Cincinnati is a better program than Florida. I don't think anyone would argue that that's a better job than Florida. That's kind of where I'm where I'm coming from it at that point in time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, all right, let's get some more here, Ryan. I want to get through these super chats here so we can get ready for the next show at 530. Here we go from Tyler Smith. Tyler's question. What's the greatest college football team you have ever witnessed? Talked about this a little bit yesterday. I mean, it probably a one Miami for me. Probably. Yeah. Collection of talent anyway. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Oh, one Miami was phenomenal. 94. Was it 95? Nebraska was yes. in that conversation yeah. for me. Um, 2019 LSU is in that conversation for me. Yep. They, they are I'm trying to remember which Nebraska it was 95. I think it was 95. Yeah. that th- This is what Nebraska did in 1995. They beat Oklahoma State 64 to 21. Beat Michigan State on the road. That was on the road, Ryan. They beat Michigan State on the road 50 to 10. Uh, they beat Arizona State 77 to 28. Right. These are power five teams. That was a Nick Saban coached Michigan State team that that went that was had a winning record. Arizona State had a winning record. Beat Pacific 49 to 7. Beat Washington State 35 to 21. Beat Missouri fifty-seven to nothing. Beat number eight Kansas State forty-nine to twenty-five. Beat number seven Colorado on the road forty-four to twenty-one. Colorado finished that year ranked fifth. They beat them forty-four to twenty-one. Beat Iowa State 
73 to 14, beat number 10 Kansas, who finished ninth that year, 41 to 3. They beat Oklahoma 37 to nothing. And then they beat Steve Spurrier in Florida in the national title game, 62 to 24. That was the most dominant team I've ever seen. Now, is that the best team? Uh, you know, there's other in the conversation. Like that Miami team was the most talented. It was yes. clearly the most talented. But that 95 Nebraska team was insane. And and I'll tell you this, those Nebraska teams back then are one of the few teams that you could look at and say they could can potentially compete with Miami when you look at the stable of running backs they were putting out there. You know what I mean? Like I think it might have been 1994, uh, Nebraska. You had like uh, – Amon Green wasn't even a starter on that team. It's wild. Like, yeah, I mean – you had you, you had Amon Green was because Lawrence Phillips got suspended that year. But you had Lawrence Phillips on that team. You had uh, Joel Makavica at fullback, who was a longtime NFL player. Um, I mean, you, you you that team was loaded, uh, and that defense on that '95 Nebraska team had some athletes on it, man. But that they had some dudes back then so i'd, I'd yeah. say nebraska 95 was probably the most dominant team that i've ever seen i mean man, they didn't have a close game right, let me look at it what's the closest game they had all year it was 35 like to 21 against washington oh. state yeah 14 points they won by 43 40 49 42 14 57 24 23 59 38, 37 in the national title game, they won by 38. It's wild, man. And they played, let's see here. They played Kansas State, Colorado, and Kansas and Florida. So you talk about they they beat the end of the year, they beat the number two team in the country, end of the year rankings, 62 to 24. They beat the number seven team in the country, end of the year rankings, 40. Nine to twenty-four five. They beat the number five team in the country end of year rankings, forty-four to twenty-one, and they beat the number nine team in the country end of the year ranking, forty-one to seven. I'm sorry, forty-one to three. Like that is nuts. It's not so. Bad, man. I'm actually gonna have to go because Miami that year in 01 had a couple really close games. Virginia Tech, Boston College. Remember that long uh, fumble return yeah. where the Dean Lyman flipped it back to Ed Reed. Uh, <laughs> they had a couple ugly, like, ugly wins, but that team was loaded. But yeah. the 95 Miami Nebraska never had a close game. Was, did have you ever watched that Orange Bowl between or Fiesta Bowl between Florida and uh, Nebraska? No. I would encourage I've, I've, you to I've do watched it, like highlights of Tommy Frazier yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, but I've never watched the game in the entirety. No. I would encourage you just for fun to one of these days soon to because the whole game's on on YouTube it yeah. is to watch the the nineteen ninety five Fiesta Bowl between Florida and um, Nebraska. I mean that was that was Danny Warfel, Chris Doring. I mean there's like Nebraska had like three NFL or Florida had like three NFL receivers on that team. Like that was a really good Florida team that year. They finished that year 12 and one. They beat Florida State by 11, beat number 23 Arkansas in the SEC title game 34 to three. Beat Auburn that year was ranked in the top 10, 49 to 38. Beat a ranked LSU team 28 to 10. Beat number eight Tennessee 62 to 37. Like that was a really good Florida team. Yeah. And they got m- destroyed 
destroyed. They beat Georgia that year at Georgia, fifty-two to seventeen. Got destroyed by Nebraska. You should watch that game. That was a phenomenal. I'm going Nebraska ninety-five. It's the best team I've ever seen. Best Notre Dame team I've ever seen is actually the '89 team, not the '88 team. The '88 team won the title, but the '89 team was better. It just they played Miami on the road that year. That was a tremendous Notre Dame team in 1989. Like I've said this to you before, Ryan. I think they beat seven ranked teams that year. That 1989 Notre Dame team, and most yeah. of them were not close. They beat number two Michigan by five, 24 19. They beat Air Force 41 27. Beat USC 28 24. Beat Pitt number seven Pitt 45 to seven. Beat number 17 Penn State on the road 34 to 23, and beat number one Colorado in a bowl game 21 to six. That was a really good team. Yes, that's a really good team. Yeah, but think about and then oh, they beat Virginia, who finished that year 18th. That was a that was a team with Sean Moore and Herman Moore. Beat them yeah. 36 to 13 in the opener on a neutral field. So, oh man, I forgot about yeah. Herman Moore. Herman yeah. Moore was awesome. Yeah, Notre Dame destroyed that team. I think they had Chris Slade on that team. I believe was on that team. So yeah, that was probably the best Notre Dame team I've ever seen. Was '89, even though they didn't win the title. The '89 team was was big time, big time. Here we go. Here's one from J Wick thirteen. His question: What are you most looking forward to seeing at the spring game? I cannot wait to see how Tyler Buckner does in the face of tougher competition at quarterback. Also, we're still waiting on Ryan to grow the stash. When was I ever supposed to grow a mustache? We had I talked about a beard. You yeah, said you could. You said you said you could grow a mustache. I can grow a mustache. Yeah, yeah. But it's said, it's not it's yeah. not attractive though. It's just a mustache. Yeah. You know, like nah. Yeah. But yep. Yeah. Something to consider. People said this is why they think Nebraska can come back. The problem is Nebraska made a, a, a the state of Nebraska was different back then. Nebraska was in a conference that made sense, and they they got a decent amount of JUCOs back then. And the JUCO game is just isn't what it used to be. That's the yeah. other part of it too. It just it doesn't. It's not the feeder that it used to be, in my opinion. All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan from Chase Talk Sports. Chase Talk Sports says, "Just got on the show for today. One, do we know if there will be a blue gold draft? Two, what's your favorite alternate jersey Notre Dame football has ever wore? Mine is the original green jersey." So, Chase, thank you very much for your super chat. appreciate that. Um, I don't know if there will be a draft. I'm not sure how they're going to separate the teams, uh, to be honest with you. I personally don't like – I think the draft is fun. As a coach, I don't like it. I want to I want to be able to decide why I want certain guys together. I want to see this offensive line tandem working together. Now, what I may do is I may put groups together. Okay, this group of D linemen, this group of offensive linemen, this group of receivers, and you can pick that group and go that way, but I, I, I would, I personally, uh, I personally would, um, would uh, not do it that way just for me, but that's because I'm a coach. I understand why people do it. Cause it's for fun. It's the buy. It's like the coach gun for some of the buy-in. It is fun. You know, it you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot to that in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, favorite football, Notre Dame Jersey, alternate mm-hmm. Jersey. Yeah. I liked, yeah. I'll tell you which one, you know which one I really liked? And there's been a couple. I really liked the 2011, uh, 2011 Michigan jerseys. The road the, the road game jerseys from, from back then. Yeah. I thought those I were really good. It was, uh, they had gold pants. They had a white jersey with green numbers and then the green stripe on the shoulder. And then they had a shamrock on the helmet. It's the only time I've ever oh, actually yeah, yeah. liked them. 
putting something on the helmet. It's the only time I ever did. I'm gonna see if I can find a photo of it. But um, the 2015 jerseys were sweet looking in person, Ryan. They just didn't look good on TV. Those yeah. are pretty sweet. I know a lot of people like the 2013 against um, Arizona State, the all white against Arizona State. I looked that one up. Yeah. Oh wait, I know. I I remember that one. I remember yeah. that one. Here I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the um I'm gonna pull up the ones from 2011 that I really liked and see some people see what people think of them. Let me find a good a good view of of the jersey. There's got to be some good ones here. I didn't like the ones that Michigan wore that day and the big block M on the front. I thought those looked oh, lame. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I thought those Notre Dame jerseys that day were pretty sweet. I I actually really liked them. Let me find a good one. All right, there's there's a good one of Sierra Wood running. Let me find that one. All right. So here we go, Ryan. Here's the that one from that game. So let me just share this real quick. So share. So Sierra Wood in it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought those were pretty sweet. I liked those. I thought those alternates were really sweet. Yeah, they're nice. They're yeah, nice. I remember. I, like I remember those. those. Yeah. Yep, I liked those a lot. I like those a lot. I'm trying to think what other years. I don't like the traditional green with the gold. I just, I, I've never really loved that, to be completely honest with you. Never mm-hmm. been a huge fan of that. Any others you liked, Ryan? Um, I like the ones that you just showed. I'm trying to think. I'm more of a traditionalist, though, to be honest. Like, I kind of just like, just like the tradition a little bit, man. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to think about it a little deeper. I know what I'd like. I've said this before. I'd like for them to do. I'd like for them to, I've said this before, green jersey as an alternate, green jersey, gold helmet, white pants. That's what I'd like to see him do. I would think that would be a sweet alternate alternate uniform. Very I, sweet I, alternate uniform. I'm still having trouble visualizing it. I need someone to draw it up yeah. for me. Yeah. I, if, I knew, if I knew how to do that, I would definitely do that. Uh, yeah. Brian, and then Brandon, Brandon Plenzer asked this with a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. Any updated measurables for Civiliano or Thomas? Don't yeah. don't have them, okay. Brandon. I told you, man. I'll share them if I get them. Come on, on the man. board. I promise. We promise. Yeah. We promise. Yeah. All right, let's go to Michael Campbell uh, with Super Chat. Thank you, Michael, for the cause. Just post more QB to wide receiver and tight end videos and get our guys' names are out nationally for nil money. I agree, Michael. They definitely need to be doing more of that. There's no yep. doubt about it. And then, uh, so Nathan Milton gave a super chat earlier, Ryan. Okay. that uh, for supporting the call. So he followed up with a question. So this is the thing he had yesterday. And I'm going to, have you ever seen Goodwill hunting? It's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. So yes, I Good. have. Yep. So I was, I don't have to disrespect you then for not knowing that one. No. Okay. So he says, uh, Brian, Goodwill hunting moment where Ben Affleck is taking an interview for da- Matt Damon. If Jay Scott replaces Affleck and demands from you, he'll only commit to Notre Dame. If it's aired on IB by Jack Swarbrick, what do you do? <laughs> What would you say, Brian? I mean, <laughs> I'd ask Jack to do it and realize that their name's not going to get Justin Scott because there's no way in heck Jack is going to do that. <laughs> so there's no chance Jack Swarbrick would do that. No why, chance. Why does why does everyone assume that I don't watch movies? I just because don't you don't watch a lot of movies that we bring up. Well, I mean. Just start bringing up better movies, and then I'll be able to join in the fun. Okay. Sure. 
<laughs> when you're the primary one that doesn't like all those movies, it's a good chance it's you. I'm just kidding. You just brought up a couple movies I haven't seen. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. A couple movies. You a couple movies, seen. yeah. A couple That's movies. funny. That's couple. funny right there. It's, it's all been right. like two. It's um, been like two movies. <laughs> per show. Right, yeah. I have a super sticker from Kevin Horton. Thank you uh, very, very much for that. Very, very much for that. A couple interesting questions here, Ryan. Uh, here, here's one from uh, Omar Austin that I'm going to ask for you as we wrap up here. He says, if you're Jerry Jones, do you trade Dak for Lamar straight up or am I, or is there I, I, Omar? I feel like, is there more to this compensation on either side? Or am I saying Dak for Lamar straight up? Like that's it. Mm-hmm. If that's it, then yeah, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Like, Lamar Jackson's a better player than Dak Prescott, in my right. opinion. He is and Dak's getting paid a lot of money too. So it's right. not like you're, you're not hurting if, if if yes, if it was a deal where I could just trade them straight up, knowing straight I'd up. have to sign Lamar to a big contract, heck yes. 100 percent yeah. Here's the deal. What if it was a thing where the Ravens were gonna say, um, you gotta give up the two first round draft picks? Not two first. Now I, I would honest, I think I would do though. Lamar and wait. So I'm just thinking this through. So if the Ravens said you have to give us Lamar and one first, I think I would do it. One first, not two though. Two's too much. I think I, I would do I'd be willing more. to give up one. I think just one and the player. I, I would give up a yeah. future pick. I would try to negotiate a few like next year's first rounder, which I if if I get Lamar, I think it's going to be a lot lower. Yeah, in my opinion, that would be one. Yes, I think I'd probably go there. I'm not a big yeah. Dak Prescott fan. I'm really Dak's not. just fine, man. He's yeah. he's he's good. He's fine. Yeah, I would definitely make that trade. Yeah. And, and it's not like here's the thing. It's not like Dak has a history of just being healthy all the time either. Like Dak has the same issues that Lamar has, but not the talent that yeah. Lamar has. Is that fair to say, Ryan? Like it, Lamar's younger. Yeah, similar big contract. Yep, still a checkered injury history. Yep. But Lamar's younger and has more, better talent. And that's Agreed. the way I look at it. Agree. So, yeah. I'm not a big Dak guy, man. Like Dak's yeah. fine. He's a good player. I agree. He's, agree. He's yeah, not. that's it. He's a solid NFL player. But that's the problem in today's NFL. You have to pay solid players like their stars at quarterback, and that's the problem. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, Dak's like a borderline top ten quarterback in the NFL, right? right? And it's like Lamar's a top five quarterback when he plays. Lamar's like in the second tier of quarterbacks when he's healthy. Yes. Right, he's not in that top tier of you know Pat Mahomes, Josh Burrow. Allen, Joe Burrow, and yeah. uh, you know Aaron Rodgers. If he's can get back to what he was a couple years ago, right? But um, he's he's definitely in that second group of guys, and it's a small yeah. group, second group of guys, in my opinion. And then we're gonna wrap up here. We got one from Chris Irish Young. I'm running behind, but it was my first live show in a while. Wanted to contribute. Thanks for doing this, guys. Chris, thank you so much for what you gave, man. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, means a lot. We are. I, I have a feeling we're well past five hundred dollars of what we're gonna receive. Not we're way past five hundred for what we're the, the net, the gross revenue. And I'm thinking we might get close to five hundred for for the net as well. That's that's big time, man. Really, really appreciate that. And then the last one here, Ryan, is with so – I'll ask this for you. It, with so many Mike linebacker offers out in 24, could you see Notre Dame taking a class of three guys who project to Mike at the next level, some three-man combo of uh, Kingston, Viliama, Asa, uh, J- uh, Cole Sullivan, Aaron Childs. Uh, what's the Shaw kid's first name? 
Um, it's with a B. It's with a B. Every time I see um, the last name Sean with a B, I always want to say Bernard Shaw, but that's me. Yeah, uh, it's in, in, getting second. back to my CNN days when I was a kid. Is his uh, his first name is I don't know why I'm blanking on this. I, is it uh, Brandon? Is it Brandon Shaw? It's on the it's on the uh, there's an I forgot to update the message board or the visit board Ryan, but it's there's the here I'm pulling it up right now. It's on the okay. it's on the the website. It's, it's, it's B Shaw. It's B Shaw. Yeah, it's Bradley Shaw. Bradley Shaw. Bradley Shaw. Yeah. By the way, Ryan, I did not add those kids to that the post that I made yesterday. I did not add them to the visit board. If you could add them to the visit board, I already did. On the visit okay, board. perfect. Yeah, perfect. On the visit board. Yep. And then we did get one final super chat, Ryan. We're going to end after this one, and this is from that one guy, fifteen. He says, "If you're Indianapolis, would you give up two first round picks for Lamar versus Richardson or or Will Levis? Would I give up two first for Lamar versus Richardson or In- Levis? Taking Richardson or Levis a four is what I think is what I, I probably would just take Richardson." Instead of giving up two firsts, I think I not think. Levis. If Richardson, yeah, is oh, gone, definitely not. Oh, if Richardson, Levis. let's just say hypothetically, one, two, and three yeah. is let's say Stroud goes one, Bryce Young goes two, and who's picking third, Ryan? Right now it's the Cardinals. They're probably going to trade that pick. Okay. Let's just yeah. say hypothetically, some team trades into number three and takes Anthony Richardson. Right. I am not taking Will no. Levis. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. maybe consider that <laughs> trade then. I, yeah, I no, I, I, I definitely would. Yeah, I would. I would definitely consider it if my if my options were Will Levis or uh, Lamar Jackson. There's no oh, doubt about that. Gracious. There's no doubt about yeah, that. That's a no brainer. I actually missed a super chat, Ryan, or from John A. One. I can't believe I did that. Uh, sorry, John. He says, "Does Big End have to be more physical or technical?" I think it's imperative for a Big End to be both. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, has to be both. I mean, you literally can't sacrifice one for the other. Because if you're not technically sound, you're giving up the edge. You're not setting the edge effectively. You're losing leverage that you're getting run on. I think what made Khalid Kareem so good at Notre Dame mm-hmm. is he was physical, but he was very assignment and physically sound. He was yep. not an explosive athlete. He was, but he was long. He was always in good position, and um, you know, it, yeah, uh, he, he was there. I just I think that's what you that's what you have to be. That's yeah, what you have to yeah. be. You have you have oh. to be physical. There's no and doubt. And yeah, we never answered Brandon's question. Oh, about the we, mic. We, yeah, we kept we kept trying to remember the kid's name, but by the time we remember the kid's name, <laughs> we didn't a- answer the question. Yeah. Uh, so I, some three man combo of those guys. Where does Cole project? I don't think Cole Sullivan projects as a Mike linebacker at all. I, I don't think Cole's is a of Mike, and I think that Aaron Childs also might be a Will. Yes, more agreed. than a Mike as well. Cole Shaw could play is, Will too. Yeah. He could play Will as well. To me, Sullivan is a will that could grow into a viper. Yeah. That's what I see from him. I yes. think Kingston is a Mike, and I think Peyton Pierce is a Mike. Yes. And Kingston is better than Peyton Pierce, in my opinion. Right. And like, so, you know, at two year, two, three years now, can Aaron Childs be a playmaking Mike? Sure. But like, he's not necessarily a, I mean, he's definitely not a Mike early, I don't it's think. It's not in ideal. My in my right. opinion, it's not ideal. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that, Brandon. We spent so much time trying to remember the kid's name that by the time yes. we got there, we forgot to answer the question. Yeah, so I apologize for that very, very much. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would consider two mics and then one will sure. type. As like, long I would as one of those that. mics had a chance to do something different. You know, yeah. like I don't know if I want two pure mics. Like I don't want right. two junior, two Alamacas, but I take one junior yes. and one Drake Bowen, for example, type of guy. Right. Because right. Drake can do multiple things. That's yep. where I would be. 
that's where I'd be. So yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. And again, sorry about that. We, <laughs> we, we, we didn't answer the question, but now we finally got to it. So um, anyway, everybody, thank you all so much for being with us today. I, I hoped, I hoped that you all would have stepped up to the plate and you did not just with uh, comments here, but also I know for a fact that a lot of people that are part of, that are part of our site, Ryan, have also given straight donations to this company, which I would encourage you to do. If you're listening to this uh, on delay, or if you're not listening to this live, obviously uh, there are, you can give a super sticker if you want to, I would encourage you not to do that. I would say give directly to the fundraiser. There's a link in the description box below. You can go there. Uh, definitely, definitely want to do that. Since we started the show, they were at uh, about 29.4 since we started the show. They're now up over 31,000. Uh, so there's a, a lot of people that are giving for different reasons. Uh, but obviously some of those people, I recognize some of the names that are, are part of our crew as well. So I appreciate y'all so much. I will, I will do this when, when it takes 24 to 48 hours for Google to update the revenue, the cut of revenue, what I'll do is I'll take a screenshot of that. And then I'll take a screenshot of the IB donation that we'll make that I'll make on all of our behalves. And we'll go from there. So um, I'll also count up like what the total number of, of super chats were during the show. Uh, I mean, I stopped counting, Ryan, we were about 600 way past that. We were over 600 when I stopped counting. So we, you guys, you all did great and I appreciate it very, very much. And so, uh, Check out on Twitter next couple of days. I'm going to, when we get the final number, the final tally, I will make a donation in the name of it will be Irish breakdown. So you all can see how much, uh, how much you all did and what you all did. So I appreciate it very, very much. Hey folks, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Ryan and I'll be back tomorrow on o'clock for another episode of the Irish breakdown podcast. <laughs>